Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Look, it was a great weekend in New York City. Another incredible UFC has gone down, and I'm going to tell you all about Kamara Usman, Thug Rose, Justin Gaethje, and more. But before I do all that, I want to tell you about one of the sponsors for today's show, Eight Sleep. I'm not Mr. Big Spender, by the way. I don't think you would consider Chael cheap, and I certainly won't mooch. If we go out, you get a tab, I'll get a tab. But you know what I don't mind spending money on is a good night's sleep. I truly find that to be an investment, truly. If I can get a better night's sleep and be a happier person with more energy, I can justify the covers. I can justify the pillow. It's also a one-time buy. I don't know that I've ever had to go back. I don't know how long you're supposed to keep a pillow, how long you're supposed to keep sheets, but I really don't remember sheets ever getting holes in them or pillows ever going bad. True story by myself. Now, I also like technology. Sometimes you can get intimidated by technology, and in the world of sleeping cool, this has been like a scientific game that the companies have been playing for years. Buy these sheets for a cooler night's sleep. Some guys are promising they have a mattress that is like anti body heat absorbing, thus giving you a cooler night's sleep. Okay, fine. However any of that all works, and believe me, I've tried it all, maybe you're like me. I finally went to something called 8sleep.com, okay? Now, 8sleep.com is an actual scientific technology where you're not counting on some kind of mystery foam that has like magical abilities to wave a wand over you when you're sleeping and cool your bed. It actually cools the bed with water. You set the temperature after you set this up and it runs water through the cooling pod to whatever temperature you like. Which by the way, I control my side of the bed with my iPhone. My wife can control hers. By example, if she wanted to sleep at 88 degrees, meaning go hotter, she could. If I wanted to sleep at 55 degrees, I could. And she wouldn't be bothering me and I wouldn't be bothering her. I only offer you that because it's ran over your iPhone and this thing sets up really fast. I'm not one of those jerks that tells you to go get something. Oh, and it's so easy to sign up, but then it's not. It is. It is or I'd say it wasn't from the beginning. It's easy to sign up. They will deliver this right to your house in a box. You will take the box into your bedroom and then open the box and boom, a king size bed pops out or a queen size bed or whatever size that you would like with the cooling pod. It's got Wi-Fi technology. It literally has a hotspot where you go into your phone. It brings, it's got its own Wi-Fi device. I don't know how this works. I'm just telling you that it does. Guys, go to 8sleep.com slash you're welcome. Check out the Pod Pro Cover. You gotta know what it's called. This is called a Pod Pro Cover, not just a mattress. I'm telling you about the Pod Pro Cover. You're gonna save $200 for going and knowing to say you're welcome. That's 8sleep.com slash you're welcome. 200 bucks off, which I might add is pretty generous by me. I spoke to Colby today, and just so you guys know, he's doing great. I think he's very disappointed in the performance. I don't think he should be, possibly in the outcome. When you put your whole life into something, possibly the outcome, but not the performance. When you have a moment like that, when you have that much pressure on you, which it never gets bigger. Nobody in this sport has ever had a bigger fight or a bigger moment than what Colby and Kamara did last night. And you can sit and argue that, and you might even find some damn close equals. Not bigger. That was the pinnacle of pressure, particularly on Colby, in all fairness. Kamara Usman is out there defending a championship of the world and pound-for-pound status while chasing a ghost of George St. Pierre. It's a very hard spot for Usman, but in a worst case scenario. And that's how you figure out who's got the pressure. In a worst case scenario, who's it worse for? Whoever that answer is has more pressure. And the reason I submit Colby is Colby is not going to get another shot at the belt. As long as Kamaro stays king, 
Colby will not return to that fight. Now, that creates a whole nother discussion. First off, retirement for Kamar Usman, even though that's not anywhere in his mouth, is going to come a lot quicker than you might think. He's done everything. He's now going through it his second time, and he only has one goal left, which is to overtake the idea of George St. Pierre. Pretty difficult, right? But he's well on his way. Kamara could get beat. Kamara could leave the sport. I only offer those as examples because that is what Colby is going to have to cling to, to find his own motivation. Colby Covington does not have a goal to be a fighter in the UFC. He does not have a goal to be rich. He does not have a goal to have people love him, like him, remember, and say nice things about him when he's gone. It's a goal to be the champion of the world, the end. So he will wake up. It breaks my heart. It really does break my heart. It's one of the reasons that I reached out to Colby. I was thinking of him. And I know when you have that kind of drive, his entire life sacrificed, dedicated, and committed to an opportunity that no longer exists. Could you imagine? Hope keeps us all going. Hope drives us all. Whatever that hope might be. But when you realize that it no longer exists, that's very tough. Now, Colby can still be the champion of the world, make no mistake. What I'm purely speaking to is he won't be given the opportunity as long as Kamara sits at the top. And by the way, Kamara Usman is a top two welterweight of all time. It's down to Kamara and St. Pierre, for goodness sakes. There is no other discussion. He's a top two of all time. Colby Covington is a top five. Not only is Colby Covington clearly, clearly the second baddest dude on earth, six billion men on earth, and only one can beat Colby, in all fairness. He is a top five ever. So think about that from that perspective. If you ever reach, you know, personally, put yourself in that spot. You reach the height of greatness. You, re you got to what you went for. You got as good as you ever dreamed about getting. You were given the opportunities that you only dreamed and fantasized, prayed to your God that maybe would come your way. And the one guy in history that can beat you happens to be competing in the same sport for the same dream at the same time as you are. Daniel Cormier spoke about this. And I don't know that there's anybody better to speak about it than Daniel Cormier, because not only did this happen to DC, it happened to him twice. Daniel Cormier, I can get a map out, guys. I get a calendar all the way back to 1993 of the UFC, and I could point to dates all over that thing where Daniel Cormier would have been the champion of the world for sure, and you guys wouldn't dispute it. You would fully agree with me. But he's competing at the same time as the greatest to have ever done it in his weight class, which is John Jones. What do you do? What do you do? When I say it happened to DC a second time, Daniel Cormier is as good of a college wrestler as I've ever seen. And I could get out the calendar of the map, and I could point to year after year after year after year after year after year that Daniel Cormier and his skills would have been the champion, but he competed the same time in the same weight class as the greatest of all time in Kale Sanderson. What do you do? Hard spot. Could be a world champion, could be king of the world any, any time, except this one. Think about it in that perspective. Because now we're talking about, and this is wildly unfair, guys. Do we need to change these rules? When I tell you the rule that Colby Covington can't bet to a world title fight, I'm speaking about precedence. Is it time to change that? One thing that we know that Dana White found for sure in that contest is he found the two best guys. For sure. There is a gap between Kamar Colby and the field. There is a gap. Should it be right that Colby can't return to that spot just because he stubbed his toe a couple of times? Should it be? Hell no, it shouldn't be. Hell no. You're the guy, if you put in the work, if you earn something, you should be able to go out there and compete for it, right? And it's not Dana White making these rules. It's us. We're the ones that make these rules. We're the ones that say, if you try, try again, but if you fail twice, you're never going to get another shot. Max Holloway is living this right now. Max's was slightly different. Many people thought that Max won those fights with Volkanovsky. Slightly different but not completely. Why are we doing that to Colby? And if there's not a roadmap where Colby can return, what is he supposed to do? And a lot of times the answer is very easy, guys. You change weight classes. Colby is the perfect 70 pounder. Colby is more likely, get ready for this, Colby is more likely to be a 155 pounder than he is 185. 
It's just height. It's just body. It's it's just mass. The way his physiology, he is a perfect 170 pounder. And I only submit that for you because I don't think any of us believe he can go down to 155. What I'm speaking to is he's a perfect 70 pounder. He's got a weight class. He's right where he should be. And you talk about the back and forth in that fight. Couple of things. Maybe got to give myself on a, a pat on the back because I did tell you guys the only thing I can assure you in this second bout is there's going to be wrestling. I cannot assure you who's going to win it. I can't assure you it's going to be effective. They will attempt wrestling, both of them. And they both did. And it was a total wash. Kamara Usman's offense for wrestling isn't what it was back when he used to compete. But Kamara Usman's defense is beautiful. Very basic. Change elevation. Sprawl. Hips in. Post the knees. You guys saw Kamara do that one time last night. He was hitting Colby in the body. Colby's in on a shot. Kamara stopped hitting, took both hands, and blocked the knees. That is 101. That is baseline defense in wrestling. And Kamara knew the basics. He might have lost a little bit of his flair, but he clung to the basics. And it was the basics that Usman used in a world championship fight. Don't ever forget that. You competitors out there, you always want the oohs and the ahs from the crowd with your technique. It is the basics that win championships. That was as good of a fight as I've seen. It was not a, as hard of a fight as the first one. The reason for that, when two guys go to war, like Colby and Kamara did in the first one, they say they're going to return to that. They say they're going to go as hard, but prepare to go even harder. There's another part in their brain subconsciously. They don't want to return to that state. They were vulnerable. They were hurt. They were exhausted. And both of them felt that. Both of them were a lot more measured, a lot more strategic. It was ever bit as good of a fight. It was ever bit as close of a fight. It wasn't as hard. They didn't return to that. It was really quite a moment. To, to give the praise to Kamar Usman that Kamar Usman deserves is very tough rhetorically. You say, oh, he's the best. Okay, well, here, let's go further. Let's give him a rank. He's pound for pound the best. Yeah, no kidding. That's the guy. Kamar Usman is as close to a perfect fighter as there has ever been. And Kamar Usman's ability to reset in the moment, to be hurt, to get hit, to get frustrated, to reset. And you can see it when it happens. You can read Kamara's face like a poker player. You can see when he resets, and it's as though that never happened. He gets hit with a hook. He's hurt. His legs stumble. Kamara will reset, and it never it's nowhere in his mind. He's not thinking about the past. He's not thinking about the future. He's living right now. And as simple as what I just said sounds, it is the struggle of every athlete in every sport that comes particularly predominant in this one. To not do what's called taking inventory and think, all right, I'm hurt, I'm tired, there's still 10 minutes left. I'm going to be really hurt and tired then and get frustrated and want to weigh out. Every fighter has to deal with that in every single match to just stay in the moment. But it's very difficult to do. Henry Cejudo used to do that very well. Nobody does it as good as Usman. I have never seen an athlete be able to reset and put the past behind them in an instant as well as Kamar Usman. And Colby stayed on him. Colby agrees with everything I just said. I don't expect that you're going to hear it out of his mouth, but he agrees with what I said. He agrees Kamar Usman's the best fighter in the world. He agrees Kamar Usman is a top two to have ever done it. He agrees that Kamar is the top pound-for-pound pound guy right now. And he still went out there and battled him. For now, a total of 10 rounds. Never wilted once. Never backed down once. Do you think Colby wasn't hurt last night? Think he wasn't exhausted? Had nothing to do with it. Kobe is a dirty, gritty competitor. Where will we go from here? I actually have that answer. Where do you go from here? Guys, Hazmat Chemayev. And we can all play along that Hazmat doesn't deserve it. We can all play along and say things like, well, he hasn't fought anybody in the top 10. We, we can do all that stuff, but we don't mean it, guys. And neither does anybody else. And we have proof. If somebody was offered Hazmet Chemayev, or you have other contenders that want to now go fight Kamar Usman, they're all going to be saying the same thing, and that doesn't work. If the champion says, and Kamar hasn't said this, 
if the champion says that guy doesn't deserve it, or if the other boys who think their numbers should come up because they've won more fights or been here longer, Chemayev isn't ranked, therefore Chemayev doesn't qualify. If that was said, and Dana pointed the gun back at those guys and said, okay, I'll make you a deal. For all you guys that think you should go right into Kamar Usman, meaning you're the number one contender, meaning you are the next best guy. There's nobody better than you except possibly the champion. And that's what a true number one contender is supposed to mean. That's what Colby Covington was in this fight. There was a gap. If Dana said, I'll make you a deal, I can't give you Kamara right now, but I can give you Chemayev. And if you beat Chemayev, I'll solidify it ahead of time as the number one contenders match. Those guys are then going to find reasons to not have to fight Chemayev. They're going to bring in the rankings, and they're going to bring in who he beat, and they're going to bring in what he's done, and they're going to bring up that it was actually only twice at welterweight. The other two were 185 pounds, which doesn't even count at all, so he's not actually 4-0. He's only 2-0, at least within our division, right? You're going to start hearing all of these arguments, but you see the problem if you're Dana. Dana has a job to bring the best guy. That is what the UFC does. Dana has been crystal clear from day one, and it is not what, always what's best for business. It is who is the next best guy. Give him his shot, right? So if that's Jemayev, you cannot argue against it. The champion could not argue against it, not that the champion has, but the fellow contenders could not argue against it. The fellow contenders cannot say, I am the next best thing and I've proven it, but I'm not going to fight with this. He can't do it. And that's where the problem in lies. And that is going to embolden, empower, and strengthen Hazmat Chemayev's positioning. Hazmat who's saying, I will fight anybody. Bring them on. You tell me the date. I don't care who the name is. It's very hard to question a guy like that when nobody else wants to fight him, particularly when they lay out their arguments as to why they shouldn't have to. They start talking about rankings, or they start talking about placement, or they start talking about time within an organization and seniority that has absolutely nothing to do with anything. And it's an argument that you only bring up when you're a straw man, right? It's a straw man fallacy. So I bring that to you because every time they're going to go insult Chemayev, and every time they're going to deny Chemayev, that's going to strengthen him with you guys, who ultimately make the decision. You are all going to look at that, and you might even feel it. You might feel that Chemayev, with only two times in the division, does not qualify for a world championship fight. You might say that. But as soon as they start teaming up and bullying and picking on him, you are then going to sympathize with him. If the guys all try to reject him, tell him he's, he's got to go have lunch in the corner all by himself, you're going to see that, and then your heart's going to open up, and you're going to feel for Chemayev. And that's what everybody's going to do. As good of an idea as Chemayev is right now, he's going to be a great idea two weeks from now once you hear the guys that try to distance himself and insult him. That's the way that it goes. Now, I'm bringing this to you because we have a number of good options, right? Luke is a very good option, and we all were under the impression at one period in time that if Leon beats Masvidal, Leon gets the crack. And you want to talk about words like deserve that have nothing to do with life, but you want to talk about words like deserve? Leon. In all fairness. If we try to take something from Leon or Leon doesn't get next after that, we're being dicks. We are. And we're being very disrespectful to a guy who's done everything right his last nine matches. Luke Luke won seven in a row, and it's not just that he won seven in a row. You go look at the way that he won, and then you juxtapose that with the guys that he fought. Luke is incredible. Luke is incredible. But if you're looking for a reason to tell a guy no, the fact that Luke came out as the backup fighter and didn't make weight, boom, you just found your reason. That's going to be very cold. Not even sharing with you that I support that. What I'm saying is the game of bureaucracy where you want to get a yes for one guy, you got to find no's for the other guys, and that could hurt Luca. Hey, you need to come out one more time. You need to prove that you can make weight. It's a real thing. Not arguing that it's fair. But it could be a real thing that Luke has to deal with. Just, just hold that thought. The mere fact that we're having these types of discussions shows you how protected 170 is, what a safe place that it's in. We have some divisions. You guys remember the cyborg days? Possibly even what Rose went through with Wei Li. You'll have some times where nobody wants the job. 
Not only do they want not want the job, they realize that their resume isn't good enough. They don't even submit it. So when you have 170 pounds, where you're having this real back and forth debate, it's not wonderful for the guys. Luke isn't going to love that I said he's not the top guy. Leon's not going to love that I said that he's not the top guy. Many people are going, where'd you get Chamaya from? He's not even a top 10. Bigger point, though, is what a great division. How safe, how protected that division is right now. And ultimately, don't forget, Kamar Usman's opinion will matter. We know that. We've seen Adesanya steer his own career for two years now. We saw Usman grab a microphone on ESPN, call out Masvidal, boom, the conversation was over and Masvidal goes in. I think it would be very wise for Usman to call out Chemayev. Whether he gets it or not to let Chemayev and let everybody else know, there's one guy here that's not scared of you. There's one guy here that's hiding from nothing. Couple that with the fact that they're going to fight anyway. Guys, the only thing that we don't know that we can't agree on today is that fight next. Or does Chemayev have to do one more? That's what we're down to. So Usman and Chemayev are going to fight. You might as well have a whole bunch of people tune in. You might as well start that marketing right now. I could talk about the main event and all the ramifications for hours, but let's move on to what I saw in the co-main event between Thug Rose and Wei Lee. That's next, but first a word about one of today's sponsors. Guys, is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Be honest, I'll be transparent back. I have at times in my life struggled in these areas and I didn't get through it by myself. Better help is a great online therapy and counseling platform that allows you to reach out for help from the privacy of your own home. This is not a crisis line, guys. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. You can start communicating with a professional counselor in under 48 hours. And that's good news for some of us who need help immediately. There is a broad range of expertise available, which may not locally be available in your area, especially if your state is still shut down because of the pandemic. This service is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You will get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room like you do with traditional therapy. It's more affordable than traditional counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit BetterHelp.com slash to join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. BetterHelp is offering my listeners 10% off a month of service, so don't hesitate to reach out and get help now. Visit BetterHelp, that's better, H-E-L-P.com slash Sonnen, and get started. Rose versus Whaley. Guys, before you get into the X's and O's of that fight, think of the courage that it took for both ladies to agree to the fight in the first place. And we never heard anything. If there was anything behind the scenes that was back and forth between the promotion and the athletes, it never got to us, right? You never saw Whaley flinch one time. And moreover, you never saw Rose flinch, which is relevant because in their first contest, Rose was just shy of a three to one underdog. So if the odds maker has had it right, Rose doing a great job controlling distance, brings the kick, flips it over, puts Whaley down. Maybe she got away with one. What's wrong with that? That's what dreams are made of. You go there and do stuff that you know is going to be hard and you're not even likely to win and nobody's betting on you and you find a way to get your hand raised, get them in the rear view. Can't ever say I didn't do it. Can't ever say I was scared to do it. I'll admit to you, I got away with one. Now make her come back up. Rose didn't do any of that. Rose signed that damn contract, put it all on the line and walked out there. Rose is a badass. She is not intimidating, like say Cyborg. She is not powerful, like say Amanda. Rose might be the best to have ever done it. One thing that's going to make Rose look beautiful is when Rose finally gets done, how far does Whaley go? 
Wei Li could, just by example, go become a 125-pounder and go and take on the bullet, which is something Wei Li has talked about doing a number of times. If Wei Li competes with the bullet, just imagine that. She, comp- she goes well. She steals a round. She, she, she steals a frame or two. She wins two rounds. Bullet still beats her. Just imagine that. Do you know how good that's going to make Rose look? Guys, nobody, in my opinion, looked better at Madison Square Garden coming out the backside than Khabib Nurmagomedov. When you see and you get reminded, because a lot of us have forgot just how damn good Justin Gaethje is. Khabib, in large part, got his wheel shined more than anybody and proved his dominance. I offer that to you because the same thing can happen for Rose. As great as she is, she has an incredible resume. She is ahead of Ronda. She is ahead of Misha. She is ahead of Holly. And those girls are awesome. Pure compliments. Rose is ahead of them. She's a two-time, I said two-time, champion of the world. And she did it in a different era of fighters. Even if that belt separation was a number of months, just over a year, it was still a different era. That is what Wei Li represents. An entire new era, an entire new form, an entire new fight of fighter. And Rose got the jump on her, not once, but twice. And I saw something a little different than the judges saw. I thought it was fairly clear that Wei Li won rounds one, two, and three. The most clear and the most dominant rounds, where there was no discussion, no thought by anybody, were the ones that Rose won. Rounds four and five. But round two was up for grabs. You need a little home cooking. You need to understand the psychology of the judges. You need to understand it's an American versus a foreign opponent. But we're going to do it in America. That stuff's real. And the people that I watched this fight with, I told them when the fight was over, it's going to be a split decision. Well, that's a big call by me. People said, Chael, a split decision. Who do you think wins? And I say, I'm not sure. I, if you make me pick right now before Bruce Buffer says it, I'm going to say Rose wins a split decision. They say, how do you get a split decision? Well, it's real easy. Wei Lee won rounds one, two, and three, but round two was close. And if the judges want to have a sympathetic approach and do a little bit of home cooking, Rose did give them the latitude to do that. I just don't predict for you that all three judges are going to wilt to that idea. If one does, Wei Li wins. If two does, Rose wins. And I'm going to bet that two will and one will dissent. And it's exactly what happened. But to see Rose think that she's going to fight this fight standing up, and for good reason, based on their last meeting, know that Rose can do well there. But then partway through the fight, realize I'm going to have to adapt and I'm going to have to take her and put her on her back. And having Rose have the ability and the sense and the IQ and the competitive drive to do that. Rose is one of and deserves to be in a lot of people's discussion as the best ever. She's just not intimidating. She's very kind. She doesn't make any demands. She doesn't challenge people. When she has a fight, she goes and does press conferences. She doesn't threaten to break their bones, to smash their face. Why can't you be both? Why can't you be a really sweet person and be viewed for what you are the best? Now, for as entertaining as Usman Covington, Rose Wei Li were, I think we can all agree the fight of the night, and maybe the fight of the year, was Gaethje versus Chandler. Guys, this was nothing short of a treat. And when these guys got in there, do you understand what was in that cage? Do you understand what their mantles look like at home if you could combine them? You have a strike force belt. You have a Bellator belt. You have a UFC interim belt. You have the World Series of Fighting belt. It would have been an injustice to us, to the fans. It would have been an injustice had Dana not made that match. That had to happen. And one thing, guys, I think we forgot how good Justin Gaethje is. Justin Gaethje, for me, say you're a fighter or you dream of being a fighter and think, what do I have to do? How do I have to get my body? How do I have to get my mind? You're dreaming of being Justin Gaethje. That would be the final product. Justin Gaethje is your favorite fighter's favorite fighter. But you have to do one of two things. You have to be tougher than everybody else, or you have to be a better athlete. If you can do either one of those, sometimes you're going to get a guy who's both, John Jones, by example. But if you can just be one of those, you can go to the heights of sport. 
But I did not know about Justin Gaethje is what an athlete he is. I didn't know that. And I knew he was athletic and I knew he'd been in sports his whole life. But the most athletic thing that I've ever seen Justin Gaethje do is a backflip off the top of the cage, which requires a lot of athleticism. But generally, he's out there brawling. He showed what an athlete he was last night. One of the high spots in that entire contest was when Chandler took Gaethje up off the ground. Now, the pure laws of physics, something known as gravity, are going to assure you that Chandler gets to a dominant position. As they came down, Gaethje rotated. He did what's called a leg pass. A leg pass in the world of wrestling is your highest level of wrestlers. Just to know that position and know how to do that technique. Gaethje did a leg pass while in midair being brought down to a canvas. Came between the legs, popped out through the back, and that was the only point of the match. There was no punches that deterred Michael Chandler. There was no frustration, the losing of rounds, nothing broke Michael Chandler's spirit except for that. And if you go back and watch it, that is the only point. And it was a full two seconds that Michael Chandler dropped to the canvas, elbows, knees on the mat, put his head down and was frustrated. Now Chandler recomposed himself, make no mistake, but that was a real high point. And Michael Chandler never went for another takedown. There's some things that you can do to a wrestler where you will make the wrestler stop wrestling. If the wrestler takes you down, but you can scramble right back up to your feet, the wrestler's not going to want to do that again. But secondly, if you do everything right, which Chandler did, and it kind of goes between your legs with a leg pass, gains elevation, turns and comes out on top, you will not wrestle anymore. And I never knew what a good athlete Justin Gaethje was, but I do think many of us have forgotten just how good he is. And I really do feel that one of the shining stars of the Madison Square Garden card was Khabib. I feel like it's very hard for you to watch and enjoy Gaethje versus Chandler without immediately thinking of Khabib, who had absolutely no problem. Michael Chandler, who can't take Justin Gaethje down, Khabib could take him down anytime he wanted and hold him there and begin to manipulate joints why he's there. I mean, in all fairness, you watch, oh my gosh. So there's always a discussion when a guy leaves. Khabib leaves. And if he had beaten everybody, there'd be no discussion, but he didn't. There was new guys. Oliveira name emerged. Michael Chandler gets signed to the organization. There's new guys. So now the discussion keeps going. Well, not necessarily. Not if you have a common opponent who you ran through, who just whipped the guy. The discussion is now gone. I always believed Khabib was the best. Greatest of all time. Recognized him for what he was. I didn't know he was this good. I did not know that Khabib was that good. It was the night that Khabib beat Justin Gaethje that opened my eyes. But now seeing Justin Gaethje come back, there's no argument, ah, Justin was out of his prime. Oh, that wasn't Justin's night. No, he was not. Justin Gaethje's prime was against Michael Chandler. If you took the Justin Gaethje who won a championship at UFC 246 and you put him in there with the Justin Gaethje that Chandler had to face last night, Chandler's Justin Gaethje stomps interim champion of the world, Justin Gaethje. He's better, guys. He's meaner. He's in better shape. Breaking into those main events and those world title fights, getting Justin Gaethje in five-round shape and then pulling him back to three rounds. It was one of the most intimidating athletes I've ever seen get in that cage. Justin Gaethje does not have wonderful head movement. He gets hit in the head a lot. But I had a teammate like this named Chris Leva. You could hit Chris Leva, but you're going to hurt your hand. His head was made out of concrete. You were never going to wobble him. You were never going to hurt him. You were never going to to back down. He'll block everything with his forehead. Sure he will. Boom, boom, boom. Bad news is he's going to throw in three and four or five right more at you. So where do you go from here if you're Justin Gaethje? Because don't forget, Justin had two battles last night. He had the physical battle against Chandler, but he had a mental battle for perception against Islam. That conversation is now over. Justin Gaethje is the number one contender, not Chael's opinion. This is your opinion. This is the vibe. This is the headlines. This is what they said on Sports Center. Justin Gaethje was able to beat perception, which is the hardest thing in life you ever can deal with, and defeat Michael Chandler in the same evening. It was perfect. It was perfect. And Chandler, not for nothing, also showed why he's getting paid the big bucks. Chandler is a straight-up badass. Chandler's got no quit. I believe Chandler broke his hand. 
He even signaled at one point, he was telling a coach or something, he showed his hand and shook it, and then he didn't throw it anymore. He started just blocking and fainting. He started being a, a punching bag that didn't have any offense. I believe for you, the reason why that happened is I believe he busted his hand. I believe he had no weapons left. And he was so goddamn tough, he didn't tell the referee. He didn't tell Gaethje. He stood out there and took those last few minutes. That part of the story is still developing. I do not have an injury report on Chandler. At a minimum, I can tell you, he did hurt his hand, and it stopped him from using whether it was broken or not, between him and the x-ray. But to watch that contest, to watch the heart and the skill, to watch that play out over 15 minutes, and to realize what I've already told you to be true, that was the best version of Justin Gaethje. It's a very impressive thing. He did take on Islam. He started that early. He's got to beat Islam within perception, which means in the media. Gaethje succeeded. He's then got to deal with a strike force and Bellator champion named Michael Chandler, who was this close to being the UFC champion, right? You remember the fight with Oliver. He beat him too. The night belonged to Justin Gaethje. So there's still a lot of unanswered questions in the lightweight division because of next month title fight between Oliver and Dustin Poirier. And one question is, who will face the winner of that fight? Daniel Cormier spoke up about it, and here's what he thought. He said that he believes Justin Gaethje should get the nod over Islam. Well, that's very interesting because Daniel was one of Islam's great supporters, and that was only a week ago. But what do we know about this sport? And we know it about ourselves too, don't we guys? We have very short memories. Errol Hawani refers to it as recency bias. Whatever is most recent, we're biased towards. And it's true. But it was also true for Daniel. Because Daniel is teammates. He's a coach of. He's a mentor to Islam. So for Daniel to come out and use his positioning as a way of getting Islam something, good for Daniel. The hell's the point of having a friend if he's not going to be a friend when you could use him? Hell yes, Daniel was right. He's completely right to use that platform. He's completely right to say what he thought and personalize it and disclose their relationship. Daniel did nothing wrong, but Daniel changed his mind. Seven days later, one performance of 15 minutes, and Daniel changed his mind against his own guy. It's a very big statement. It really is. There's so, everybody has an opinion, but some people have the right to an opinion. Daniel Cormier has the right to an opinion. He is an expert in the sport, and he's put in a position to do nothing more than share opinions. When he does it, and I see people get angry with him, that's what he's supposed to do. We want to hear what the two-time, I said two-time champion of the world, thinks. Of course we do. So when Daniel comes out and he says that he thinks it favors Gaethje, yes, we've got some recency bias, but guys, did we forget? I mean, did we forget? Glenn Jacobs came up and said this to me at the weigh-ins. He said, Chael, I think we've forgotten how good Justin Gaethje is. As I read what's going on out there and I hear the talk and the chatter, I think the world's forgot. By the way, this was the best Justin Gaethje I have ever seen. The Justin Gaethje at 246 who shocked the world was a 3-2-1 three to, a three one, three to one underdog against Tony Ferguson and won every single minute of that fight and left with the championship. Was a pretty damn ver good version of Justin Gaethje. If that version had to take on the version that showed up at MSG, it would not go the distance. Gaethje has gotten better. And Gaethje's very mean. He's tough as hell, we know that. Turns out he's an incredible athlete. I mean, incredible athleticism. And it was never on display more than when Chandler picked him up off the ground and just has to use Newton's first law of gravity and Gaethje rotates his body, comes between the legs, he hits what's called a leg pass. Very unlikely you guys have ever seen that included in practice. It is as high level as technique gets. And it's something that I did not know was in the wheelhouse of Justin Gaethje. But when he hit that leg pass, he took a lot out of Chandler. A lot. That was the only moment of fight that Chandler stopped fighting. And Chandler recomposed himself, but there was about a, two beats, 1,001, 1,002, where Chandler stayed on his knees, elbows with his head down. That frustrated him. Not all those big uppercuts, not that jab, not that cross, not those kick. That, that is what frustrated Chandler. And Gaethje does deserve credit for that. But I have always known, as you guys, how tough he is. Talking about Gaethje, how tough he is. I didn't know how athletic he was. I just simply didn't know this about him.
The most athletic thing, thing I've ever seen Justin Gaethje do is his celebratory backflip off of the cage. It would take a lot of control and practice to be able to stick that. It would be my nightmare. I would So I'd get up there and say, Chill, you have to do a backflip. Oh, please, anything else, right? Anything else, blow, blow out a knee. Anything, Gaethje sticks it, very athletic. But I've never seen him fight with athleticism. I see him fight with bad intentions. I see him fight with aggressiveness, veracity, beautiful words, not athletic. Justin Gaethje was athletic, he was tough, and he was mean. He was mean. He wanted to do damage. He already had that fight won. Two minutes left in the fight, he had it won, and Chandler had lowered his offense. I believe Chandler lowered his offense because I think Chandler broke his hand. I reached out to Michael Chandler. I asked him that. I never got a response, which generally means I don't want to talk about it, right? I'm hurt. I'm saying, why are you even asking me? I think he broke his hand. Very relevant to the fact. Because Chandler quit throwing that hand. So now all of a sudden you got two minutes left. Gaethje's already beat him. He's already got fight of the night. It's all locked up and the victory and what seems to be number one contendership. And Chandler's not throwing back. Why not just circle? Why not just eat up the clock? Because Gaethje's mean. That's your answer. You can like that or not like it. Justin Gaethje is mean. He's got to stick up his ass. He's had it there all week. He's cranky at everybody. That's the way it's got to be. Justin Gaethje did not just have to fight Michael Chandler. He had to simultaneously fight perception of number one contendership against Islam. And if Gaethje had a smile and just did the ah shucks, he would not have won that perception, including in the eyes of Islam's own mentor, Daniel Cormier. It was not the victory over Chandler that has elevated Gaethje to this point. It was that along with the perception, with the anger, with the meanness, that's where you stand, but that's where you get respect. That's where you step back and throw your hands. Just, it's your turn. Good sir, it's your turn. Best of luck. To close out today's show, I want to shine the spotlight on another fighter who made an oppressive UFC debut on Saturday. From the Department of Silliness. Let's go down a path, and the path is this, Alex Pierre versus Izzy Adesanya, who do you got? Now, it's an interesting question. Alex Pierre's claim to fame, great story behind him, which is just that he defeated Israel Adesanya in kickboxing, knocked him out, and this is a real sore subject for Izzy, and I get it. I get it. I could talk about my fights till I'm blue in the face. You bring up some wrestling matches that nobody saw but that were important to me, that I had dedicated my life to, that I went to wherever for, that I tried to win, you could hurt my feelings pretty fast. And I see Adesanya, I see the anger that this gets him when he talks about that match. I'm on a different side of it, going, Izzy, no one knows who that guy is, no one knows the promotion, no one knows the venue, no one knows how to find that fight. I highly doubt it was televised. You were probably paid somewhere in the neighborhood of $2,000 to do it. And it was a long time ago. Oh, and by the way, Izzy, i got to remind you of something. You're the world champion. <laughs> you're, you're the champion of Earth. You know what a world champion means? Of all of Earth, nobody could beat this guy. That's what that belt represents. But it bothers him. It bothers him. Fair enough, right? Genius and insanity. It's a fine line. And Izzy sits on the side of genius. He has to find things to motivate him and drive him too. But this is one of them. And if you do look at Adesanya, who's done absolutely everything physically that you can do in the octagon, everything. He's thrown up triangle chokes. He's thrown up Kimuras. Go see the fight just with Kelvin Gatslam in the fourth round. He, Izzy's done everything except one. Attempt a takedown. I didn't say get a takedown. He has never attempted a takedown. That's very relevant. And if you bring in a guy that you're telling me, you're telling me for sure can deal with Adesanya on the feet. For sure, we know that. We have footage, we had a competition. For sure, he could deal with Adesanya on the feet. That's a problem for Izzy. Because Izzy's going to stay on his feet, right? You, you guys get the, the math I'm doing here. It's going to be a stand-up fight. Adesanya doesn't plan to change that. He's not going to double-cross the system, not to mention his ego would get in the way, and he wants to do it fisticuffs. Everything just changed. 
If you were to open up a line today for Alex Pierre versus Izzy Adesanya on DraftKings, I'm telling you guys, it'd be even money within the hour. It would be even money for that mathematical deduction. That it's going to be a stand-up fight, and we all know it. Now, the other side of the coin is, why is Izzy even talking about this guy? He will never see him. Not as of today. If Piera does not get better, and I mean meaningfully better, he will never go through the pack. Sean Strickland would throw that guy down so, and he would never get up. And Brunson would do the same, and Vittori and Paulo Costa. If he stays the same, he's not going to. He's going to improve. I'm a believer in Alex Piera. Just in case my words are getting a little off. No, I mean to compliment him. Right now, he could go with the champion of the world, but only because of that matchup. He could not go through the ringer to get to Izzy. Not with the skills he has now. He is one of the best coaching minds in the sport, and John Hackleman. He's one of the great training partners in Glover Teixeira. He's got a confidence and a belief. Him being taken down did not just show us that, oh, a wrestler can go deal with him. No, 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 no. It was actually the opposite because of the way he dealt with it when he got taken down. The way he fought through it. He walked over to the cage on his knees and he stood up. Guys that need to be leveling in the playing field against wrestlers, learn how to use that cage. It's a very good way to get up off of the mat, and it's a very hard way to keep anybody down. If they just crawl over to that wall and they come, there's nowhere to take them. They get right up to their feet. That was a veteran move by him. And if you go back in Adesanya's own career, even his debut, which happened to be against Vittori, it looked like you just take him down and keep him there, and that was the way to beat him. It was three fights later. His very next fight could take him down. He was going to get up. His, but after that was Brunson. Couldn't even take him down. So Adesanya showed some major gains quickly. Let's show that same assumption to Alex Piera. If he makes those gains like Adesanya, he might be able to get through the ringer. Right now, talking about Alex Piera and Izzy Adesanya said, I'm going to fight him probably in the next four fights. That's not going to happen. Not if Piera doesn't get better. Unless Izzy does the big favor and just gives him the match. And Adesanya does have some power like that. There is nobody in this sport that has called and controlled his own career as well as Adesanya. But it's not going to happen unless Izzy hands it to him. Four fights from now. No way. No way. That version of Pierre is not going through the Stricklands. Not going through the Brunsons. Not going through the Cannoneers. He's just not. But he could do very well with the champ, right? If he could get that opportunity, that matchup, it's very interesting. And I bring this to you as a precursor to talk about this Saturday. Max Holloway is the favorite to beat Yair Rodriguez. If you're telling me you believe Max Holloway is going to win that fight, you are inadvertently telling me that Max can outstrike Yair. I don't disagree with you. I don't have a problem with that. I'm just helping you break down and deduce what you're actually saying. I think you all agree with me that Piera cannot go through the gauntlet to get to Adesanya. I think you also agree with me if he was in there just with Adesanya, that could be a close match. That could be a pick em fight because of the way they're going to fight. Max Holloway is going to stand on his feet. Max Holloway was in the discussion as recently as three fights ago. Is he the best boxer in the UFC? Is he the best pure boxer in the UFC? When he lost a boxing battle to Dustin Poirier, people then handed it to Dustin. My only point being Max is fantastic at boxing. And yeah, he'll slip a kick in there. He's good with the knees. Max can weaponize pace. But I got to give those same compliments to Rodriguez. I really do. I've never seen Rodriguez get tired and fold. This is going to be a new test. The condition of Max Holloway is the bar. In this sport, the number one best condition, it is Max Holloway. So yeah, I think in those fourth and fifth rounds, it's going to favor Max. Sure I do. But let's back up before we even get there. What are we about to see? Do you want the good, basic, straightforward left and right hands and a lot of them from Max? Or do you want the dynamic video game style techniques of Rodriguez? Calling a Yuri Rodriguez fight is the hardest thing Joe Rogan has to do because Joe can't tell the audience what those moves are called because Joe doesn't know because nobody's ever seen them. Yuri Rodriguez knocked a guy out with an elbow, head down, Guy on top of couldn't even see the guy and threw an elbow and knocked him out. Come on, making these things. Yuri Rodriguez will run up the fence and come off and hit you in the mouth. He'll run up the fence again, come off and kick you in the face. 
He is making stuff up. I've never seen anything like it. The first time I got turned on to Uriel Rodriguez, it was by Gilbert Melendez. And I asked Gilbert about him, and, Gil, and we'd only seen him once or twice. But Gil was in the division. Gil, Gil, Gil's fighting around that weight. Gil's got his eye on everybody. And I remember when Gil said, he said, Shale, that's a whole nother deal. He didn't finish that thought. I don't know what that means. I just know it was complimentary. And the way Gilbert was looking at it is, I got a, I got a lot of guys I got to worry about right now. That's a whole nother level of strategy if I ever had to deal with him. I remember it was a big compliment coming from Gilbert. And that's when I started to pay attention to this guy. And he's only gotten better. But make no mistake of what you're going to see here. When I ask you who's going to win between Max and Yari Rodriguez, what I am not asking you is who do you think the better fighter is? I'm not asking you who's had a better career. I'm not asking you who achieved more. I'm not asking you who beat more impressive opponents. I'm asking you with Max's skills versus that of your ears, when those two skills meet, whose do you think is better? Is it the high volume basics of Max, hands up, good head movement, feet working, long jabs, followed with power, or is it the dynamic skill set, the oohs and the ahs? That's what you get when you're Rodriguez fights. That's what you hear the crowd saying, ooh, ah. Which is better? We tend to favor in this sport the more dynamic. But we tend to know from history it's the basics that wins the championships. And that is going to be on display here. I just don't want you to miss the story going into this. I don't want you to miss what you're about to see. From 1993, when they set that octagon up the first time, to 2001, when Dana White came and took over. We have been trying to find out the ultimate martial art by combining them. By putting them against each other. And then when that all transitioned to a new sport called mixed martial arts, when that happened, we're still trying to find out, are you better to be a Damian Maya and be grappling heavy? Are you better to be an Izzy Adesanya and be striking heavy? What's the combination? Is it 60-40? Is it 50-50? Like, this is a real debate. This is a debate that every aspiring athlete, every gym owner, every trainer, and every coach still asks himself every day. But it's not every day that we get to actually test it. It's not like 1993 where we bring in the Taekwondo guy and we're going to put him with the Judo guy. It's not like that. They're all the Taekwondo guy and they're all the Judo guy. It's just a combination of is that 90-10, is that 80-20, is that 50-50? Like, this is the game. We have two wildly different sports about to collide. We have Queensberry Rules Western Boxing in Max. Good, straight up, make Teddy Atlas proud versus a video game character who could do moves so crazy that Joe Rogan can't name them for you. And frankly, none of us can. Which would you rather be? Our minds tell us the more dynamic. History tell us basic. But make no mistake, that's what this fight between Max and Uriah is about. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, head over to Apple Podcasts, find your welcome, and leave us a review. One that reads, good conversation and analysis. That's from Gabe. Well, thank you for that, Gabe. I will be back on Friday for more insight, more analysis, talking Yarir versus Max. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome.